This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Today is Monday, November 11th, 2019. On this day in 1972, 13-year-old Lori Lee Kursa disappeared while out shopping with her mother. A month later, her body was discovered near Rincon Valley in Santa Rosa, California. She was determined to be the latest victim of the Santa Rosa hitchhiker murderer. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. Today we're covering the disappearance of 13-year-old Lori Lee Kursa. Before we explore the impact of her death and the legacy of the Santa Rosa hitchhiker murderer, let's go back to the afternoon of November 11, 1972, a little after 5.30 p.m. Lori considered the cramped aisle. Bags of chips, pretzels, and candies called out to her with their brightly colored packaging. She glanced at her mother, Laureen, who lifted a can of coffee grounds to scour the ingredients list. Perfect. She wasn't paying close attention. The U-save was small. Lori had seen massive grocery stores in big cities like Los Angeles and San Francisco and they put Santa Rosa's paltry market to shame. The aisles of snack foods jammed in the roadside store represented everything about suburban life that she hated. They offered one more excuse for Lori to get away. It would be tricky to slip out of her mother's sight. On the upside, she knew that road trippers frequently stopped here to use the bathroom and load up on sweets. That should make hitching a ride easier. Lori had run away from home a couple times before. There was something freeing about getting out from under her mother's roof. But the new, independent life never stuck. She'd run out of money or start to miss her classmates and show up back home feeling humbled and homesick. Then a few months later, she'd start itching to get away again. And now, today, she had another overwhelming craving to go. Feigning nonchalance, Lori dipped into the snack aisle. Her mom was still visible, just out of the corner of Lori's eye. Lori picked up a packaged pastry and pretended to scrutinize the frosted yellow cake inside. Still no sign of suspicion from Laureen. Lori slid the cake back onto the rack, edged a little further down the aisle, and bent down as though she were reaching for a candy bar. Now she was completely out of sight. She waited a beat, and her mother didn't call for her. Perfect. Lori crept down the aisle, 
making her way for the front door, but her mad dash came to an abrupt halt when she bumped into her old family friend, Barbara Skirbo, literally. While Barbara loudly made chit-chat, Lori faked a cheerful demeanor and continued to edge toward the door. She was running out of time. Any moment now, her mother would round on the cashier and announce that it was time to load back into the car. Then Lori would be stuck returning to her unhappy home and counting the hours until her next opportunity for escape. Screw this. Lori was 13 and teenagers were allowed to be rude, expected even. So she pushed past Barbara and strode out the door. As she stepped into the USAVE parking lot, Lori stomped across the harsh concrete. She tried to exude authority as she found a spot right at the corner and thrust out her thumb. She wasn't too picky about where she ended up. Her first step was to get away from her mom. She'd worry about tomorrow, tomorrow. Things like this had a way of just working themselves out, as she'd found on previous runaway attempts. Lori didn't have money, but she was smart. She'd selected that day's outfit, bell-bottom jeans, cowboy boots, and a brown leather jacket, specifically to catch the attention of passing drivers. And sure enough, it was working. As an approaching sedan slowed and pulled over, Lori popped open the front door. She settled into the seat, not knowing that she'd never return to her old life or see her mother again. Up next, we'll discuss the tragedy that followed Lori Lee Kursa's final runaway attempt. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now back to the story. On November 11th, 1972, 13-year-old Lori Lee Cursa walked out of her mother's life forever. The frequent runaway was last seen by a family friend, Barbara Skirbo, in bell-bottom jeans, cowboy boots, and a brown leather jacket. She slipped away from a local Santa Rosa USAVE market, presumably intending to hitchhike to her father's house in Florida. This was far from the first time that the adolescent had run away from home. Even her mother didn't consider Lori's disappearances a big deal she chalked up the numerous attempts at escape to ordinary youthful rebellion and didn't call the police until several hours later. Authorities learned that as of November 20th or 21st, about a week and a half after she disappeared from the USAVE, 13-year-old Lori was staying with friends in Santa Rosa. Because a juvenile runaway wasn't considered a high priority, police didn't bring her home right away. That proved to be a fatal mistake. Lori Lee Cursa was never seen alive again. On December 14, 1972, 
About a month after she first ran away, a pair of hikers spotted her frozen body. Her death was clearly no accident. She was naked at the bottom of a steep cliff off the side of the road. Lori's body was found near one of the known dumping sites for a serial killer called the Santa Rosa Hitchhiker Murderer. She, like his other victims, was found completely nude. A young, blonde, pre-teen runaway, Lori also matched the killer's target profile. Crime scene investigators soon declared she was his most recent victim. For two years, from 1972 to 1974, the Santa Rosa hitchhiker murderer killed anywhere from 7 to 25 young women. His preferred targets were hitchhikers and runaways. Most of his victims were strangled to death, although some were found beaten or poisoned as well. However, Lori's corpse differed from those of the serial killer's past murders in a few key ways. Unlike previous victims, there was no sign that Lori was sexually assaulted. In addition, she likely died of injuries sustained while falling down the incline. She had severe spinal trauma and cuts and bruises consistent with hitting trees and brush as she tumbled down the hill. The discrepancy suggests that Lori died while attempting to escape her killer's clutches. Her head injuries were consistent with those she'd sustain if she leapt from a moving vehicle. Northern California was a hotbed for active serial killers at the time, and police tried to link the Santa Rosa hitchhiker murders to Charles Manson, the Hillside Stranglers, and even the Zodiac Killer but they were never able to conclusively link the hitchhiker murderer's victims to other known killers, and they never arrested anyone for these crimes. When bodies stopped turning up after 1974, the case languished unsolved. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. If you enjoyed this story, be sure to check out our podcast original, Unsolved Murders, which explores some of history's most baffling crimes. Today in True Crime is a podcast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other podcast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite podcast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. At Parcast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast and Twitter at Parcast Network. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler, is a production of Cutler Media, and is part of the Parcast Network. It is produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Andy Waits, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Paul Mahler, Maggie Admire, and Freddie Beckley. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Angela Jorgensen. I'm Vanessa Richardson.